to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh hey, hey, if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 some things that um people have at the back of their minds like like I'll be mentioning consistently um a lot of people uh depart from the truth they depart from the truth and I'll every now and then refer to the problem of this generation which is people following what they feel is right or what someone said or what they heard somewhere rather than um what the word of god really says and one thing we do in these discipleship classes is just be heavy on the scriptures so that people can judge for themselves whether to follow what the word of god says or to follow what they feel and i know you are a kind of people that follow what the word of god says not what you feel or just merely what you think things are supposed to be hallelujah and so some people say um some people say there are people actually who say uh, for me i can study the bible for my myself I don't think I need any any person to help me because I can also read um so there feel no need for men sometimes 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 people say these things because they had bad experiences with pastors um so they said from now on i don't trust any human being and i know there are people who genuinely had bad experiences with pastors maybe the pastors said something to them or maybe they are just short tempered but whether it was the fault on the pastor's end or their fault the idea is they built a life's principle based on the bad experience they had But what I can tell you is and you can write this down never build a life's philosophy based on a bad experience. Never build a life's philosophy based on a bad experience. 
So you go to school and you are a first year, then the first tutor you have before you have many tutors is that that tutor mistreats you and you begin thinking all tutors are the same. You've built a life's uh, patterns principle based on one bad experience. That's not healthy. So a guy or a girl dumped you, therefore, a girl dumped you, therefore all girls are ducks. That's not true. <laughs> That's, it's, it's unsafe because even when you now find a good girl, you think she's a duck. See that? But not every girl is a duck in the context of your argument. There are some girls who are human. So never build a life's principle based on one bad experience. So you find a person started a business and it failed. So now every other person you meet who wants to start that business, you want to tell them you can do it, but be very careful. And then you major on the being careful. You make sure the person is fed on with the fear and then every other person you meet are telling them to be careful. So you're now building a life's principle based on one bad experience. That, that principle has got cracks and it always backfires. Are you listening to me? Yes, Pastor. You dated one trash man Every other man is trash now. That's not true. Okay? You don't build a life's principle based on one bad experience. You don't do that. Very important. So there are people who, they genuinely had bad experiences with pastors. So they build this principle that leads them away from the word of God. It leads them away from the word of God and begins to exhort their experiences. They begin to exhort their experiences. So they, because they still want to be a Christian now, they end up saying, me, I don't want to have any man of God or even go to church. I think I can read the Bible on my own because sometimes pastors do one thing and then practice another thing. Or whatever argument they have, so they would rather just be them, their own guy. You get my point, eh? They would rather just be their own guy. They are just reading the Bible and worshiping uh, alone at home. But let's now, you know, you know, you know. There's something that the Bible says. Uh, 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 one time, let me open the Bible. Let's look at the Bible now. Are you ready to look at the Bible? It's opening. Just give me a few minutes. A few seconds, rather. There we go. All right. First John. Chapter 3. Chapter 4, actually. Mm. 
John John uh, sets out a very good argument in John chapter number 4 verse 20 when he says the following. John chapter number 4 verse 20. Here's what our first John actually. Chapter number 4 verse 20. And I'll stretch this argument a bit further. So he says, let me read from the NLT. It reads, If someone says, I love God, but hates his fellow believer. Read from the NKJV. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, says he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? So, the way we treat other people is the true measure of our relationship with God. It's the true measure of our convictions towards our relationship with God. Someone says, I love God, but does not love his brother. The Bible says he's a liar. For he, for, for he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? How can you love a God you have not seen and claim that you do love a God you have not seen when you cannot love a brother you can see? There's something wrong there. In other words, what the what the apostle uh, John Saint John is arguing there is, show me a man who loves other men, and I'll show you a man who loves God. The man who loves other men is the man who loves God, because you cannot love God any more than you love other men. A true love for God overflows towards a love for other men. It begins to overflow. Hallelujah. That's just the truth. Praise the Lord. So men become a measure. You can tell, you can actually judge your love for God by how you love other people. This is why he goes on to say, let me just show you this other scripture and i'm going somewhere this is so important um he says and then this this whole chapter you should read it uh it's a good chapter it discusses this um it discusses this whole thing in detail. Sorry? Uh, what's the what's what's I'm going somewhere. Um, why you need a pastor? Or why you need a spiritual father or mother? Whatever the case is. So in First John chapter 4 verse 8. Here's what the Bible says.
Let me begin from verse 7. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So you can't say, I know God and I love him, when you can't love other people. So other people therefore become a measure of your relationship with God. Isn't that interesting? Because God is into the business of people. So how you treat other people is a concern of God. Now, in, you, you have to understand the way that God operates. There are certain principles that God operates towards himself, but through other, other people. There are principles that God operates towards himself, but through other people. Let me give you an example. When you read Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Luke chapter 6, verse, verse 38, it gives a very general principle when it says, Give and it shall be given back to you, good measure, pressed, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom? Give and it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give unto your bosom? So initially, when people give, uh, beat their offerings or their tithes or their first fruits, when they are giving a church, for example, under that principle, they are not giving to men. When we give our tithes or our offerings or our first fruits, we don't give to men, we give to God. But when we give to men, God considers it as something that has been given to him. Luke 6.38, as something that has been given to him. Imagine giving to a man, but God considers it having been given to him. That's what we call delegated authority. It's like sending a representative. Whatever you do to that representative or the proxy, the the, the, whatever you do to the agent, you do to the principal. See that? So, that, 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 every time we give to God, if someone is saying they just eat my money, let me give to the poor, fine, give to the poor, that's fine. It could be your tithes or your offerings or your first fruits. You want to give to the poor, that's okay. You say you want to give to God by giving to the poor. That's fine. You can do that. But when people don't want to obey their spiritual leaders or give because they feel like instead of giving to God, people will just be eating their money. But they, they give according to the Bible. Then you should ask them to show you the ladder so that they can climb it and give to God. Since they want to give to God so much and they don't want the church or the pastor to be eating their tithes, then let them give it to God. Since they want to obey the Bible, let them climb the ladder and take the money to God. Not even Moses did that. Not even the Lord Jesus did that. There are systems within which God ha has designed that when we are giving or there are channels of obedience. Somebody say channels of obedience. So these are principles that God operates towards himself, but through other people. 
Are you listening to me? Yes, Pastor. That's very important for us to understand. Let me give you another example. Go to the book of Matthew chapter 10. Let's read verse 40. Anybody to read? The Bible reads, He who receives you, receives me. And he who receives me, receives him who sent me. Are you seeing that? That connection is very important. That connection is so key. He says, he who receives you is talking to his disciples has received me and he who receives me has received him who sent me in other words we can we can go to the end from the beginning we can say he who receives the disciple has received god or he who has received a disciple has received both god and jesus both god the father and the and god the son isn't that interesting so those are channels of receipt. In other words, the way that you treat the man that God sent is the way you are treating God because God is the one who sent him. You can't say, no, me, I would like to receive God one of these days. But then you are not receiving the man that God has sent. That's a lack of, that's a lack of knowledge on channels of obedience and channels of operation. God comes to you, but he comes to you through people. And I'm not saying God cannot appear to you or give you an encounter, but I'm also telling you this other dimension of, chan of channels of God's operation, where God uses people to touch people. So the way we treat the people that God has sent is in fact the way that we are treating God. That's serious. <clears throat> he who receives the men of God that Jesus Christ was sending, the disciples, he says also receives them and has also received the Father who sent the Lord Jesus. In the same way, the people who are chasing the disciples also chase the Lord Jesus and they chase God. The opposite is equally true. So let us be discerning. Are you listening to me? We must be discerning. That's why the Bible says some people will be shocked when they discover that they chased God from their houses because he came through other people. You know, let me show you another thing. Go to 2 Chronicles. These are channels of operation. 2 Chronicles. Chapter 20. And I'll read from verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa and stood as they went out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, so this man is prophesying. 
says, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. In other words, he's telling them the same thing. He's telling them, believe God, but believe also his people, the people he sent you, the men of God, the prophets. Because God uses people to bring you to the place he wants to bring you. Are you seeing that? So you can't just say my relationship is between me and God alone. Yes, your relationship is between you and God, and God lives in your heart. And you will have your relationship with God, but you will not have your relationship with God in full without your relationship with God through the man that God sent to you. See that? So... It's not just, you know me, I just believe in God. I don't believe in these prophets or men of God. But then the Bible, the Holy Spirit is saying, you just can't say me, I just believe in God. What about the man God sent? It's like showing you all the proof that I'm coming from your school and your headmaster sent me. And you refuse. Then just to go to your headmaster, I don't know what you call them these days, they are called head teachers. Just for him to say, oh, you traveled all that long just to come to me. <laughs> Actually, I'm the one who sent him. How disappointing and frustrating. All the transport you'd have bent. All the unbelief you'd have struggled. All the struggle you'd have gone through just to be told that the man was right. The word of the headmaster becomes the word of the person he sent. Let me give you an example. Let me tell you this. When we're in grade 8... When we were in grade 8, when we just went to boarding school. Grade 8s were, I'm sure, how many of you went to boarding schools? Yeah, I'm sure you know that grade 8s or grade 10s, depending on where you went, they were like, there was like some mockery and all that kind of stuff. There were names and all that kind of stuff. I don't know whatever name they used to call grade 10s or grade 8s. Me, they used to call all grade 8s, uh, they used to call them kaulus. And then grade 10s were called uh, grade 9, 4. So uh, it was, it was, it, those were words of mockery. So Kaulu is like, like a small animal with a very long tail. Very small animal with a long tail. <laughs> so they used to call us Kaulus. So it was a very abusive and embarrassing word. So I remember this one time there was a friend of mine. Who, you know, those, those, friends, those friends for they know their rights and you just can't call them anything. They'll report you to the administration. So one time a prefect, a prefect called him, called us. So the guy was so offended that he ran to the deputy headmaster to go and report that a prefect called me a kaulu. Okay, the headmaster was very nice to grade 8 and he told them, whatever happens to you, come tell me. Our, this very educated guy, even went, very aware of his human rights. The moment he knocked at the deputy head's office and he opened the door, the deputy head was like, yes, Kaulu, how are you? <laughs> so you can imagine all the running, all the journey, just to go there and receive the same word. Why? Because the mind of the deputy headmaster was the mind of the prefect. 
The same way that the, the prefect was mocking the grade eights was the same way that the headmaster was also mocking the grade eights. They are of one mind, they are admin. So in the same way, you can't say that me, I'm just waiting from God. What about the man that he sent? See that? So God uses people to communicate his heart. God will talk to you too as an individual, but God will also place individuals in your life who will guide you and will give you the word of the Lord. Are you listening to me? That's very important. Jeremiah 3.15, here's what the Bible says. Oh, blessed be God. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. Here's what the Bible says. And I will give you, this is God talking. God talking, it says, and I will give you, let me read it from the KJV. It says, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. See, God says, I will give you pastors. God gives you pastors. See, God can, by his spirit, feed you personally with knowledge and understanding. But God can also personally, or let me put it this way, God is actually personally feeding you with knowledge and understanding through the pastor he sent to you. This is why when you are alleged to such principles, you will be seated in church. The pastor will be talking. Then you say, you know, God spoke to me. Why? Because you do not take the words that is preaching as words of mere men, but as words of a representative. Look at that. Read it from the Amplified Classic. It says, and I will give you spiritual shepherds after my own heart. I will give you. I will give you. God gives you pastors. Your pastor is your gift. God gives you pastors. He says, and I will give you spiritual shepherds after my own heart in the final time. Who will feed you? Who will feed you? Every time you sit down and learn from me, you are being fed. Feeding take we are fed, just eating food. No. When you are eating, when you are learning, you are also feeding. He says, I will give you spiritual shepherds after my own heart. See, spiritual shepherds. There are many shepherds in life, but he's talking about spiritual shepherds. I will give you, God promised that he will give you. Gifts also come in form of men. And I will give you spiritual shepherds after my own heart in the final time, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding and, and, and judgment. Haven't you noticed that every time you spend some minutes with me, you are growing in knowledge? You are growing in judgment and understanding. This is to tell you that you are within the perfect will of God. You are within the scriptural perfect will of God. If at all you ever doubted being in the will of God, you are fulfilling prophecy. See that? Look at this. Look at the scripture we read yesterday. He said, I will give you. God gives you. I will give you shepherds. Look at Ephesians chapter number 4. Verse 11, the Bible says, this is a fulfillment of that scripture. And his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men, gave men. He gave men, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be inspired preachers and expounders. 
These are gifts that God gave the church. Let me read from the NLT. It says, now these are the gifts. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. See, but they are gifts. We are your gifts. <laughs> so don't be out there asking for a, a birthday gift. I'm your birthday, I'm your gift. <laughs> okay. So what the Bible is basically telling us here is God gives gifts of men. Gifts are not just what is wrapped. Gifts are also in form of people. So you who submit and you listen to... You see, this is why you guard your gift jealously. You honor the gift that God gives you. When God has given you a gift, you just can't let anyone speak ill of it. You even say, yeah, these pastors. Those are... Don't even be among those people who look down on other people's, on other people's pastors. That's God's gift to other people. Don't participate in demeaning men of God. Say, these mushrooming churches. Are you out of your Bible? Let them mushroom. When football clubs are mushrooming and bars are mushrooming, you are quiet. But when churches are mushrooming, also you, your talking begins to mushroom. Are you a mushroom? <laughs> okay. So all I'm saying is do not... Do not put this spirit of a mushroom. Do not, okay, there's no such thing. Do not participate in people that demean other, <laughs> other people's gifts. Every spirit of a mushroom, out. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So why do you need a pastor? Because God commanded it. God said, I will give you shepherds. Who are you to deny what God said? It was prophesied by the prophets of old. It was fulfilled in the New Testament. They knew you think you don't need a pastor. So number one, the reason why you need a pastor is because God said it. The word of God teaches it. God uses these people as your guides on earth. The Spirit of God uses them to lead us, to feed us with his word. Hallelujah. To feed us with his word, to shepherd us. It's the will of God. This is the will of God. Let me show you something. These are the people who are our spiritual fathers or mothers, depending on which ministry you are under. Now look at what the Bible says. Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 14, he says, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. Are you seeing that? Paul calls them his beloved children. Some of these people could have even been older than him. But in the faith, he was their father or he was their pastor. See that? He says, for even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. And which is so important. 
You can have many people that can teach you many things, but there's one man or one woman, depending on which ministry you are under, that you submit to as your spiritual father. Don't be confused. Don't have too many spiritual fathers. There are people like that, I know, in this generation. Everyone is papa, papa. Everyone is papa, papa. You just end up being confused. The Bible says, you, you, look, you can't just learn from me alone. There are so many people that God will use along the way on TV to teach you about Christ, and you will learn. Because the Spirit of God is diverse like that. But there's one authority that God is going to put in your life. That person is called a spiritual father. That, that's the man that God is going to use to feed you on his word and his ordinances and his precepts and to bless you. There's a man who carries the blessing of God for you. That's your pastor. Don't listen to people who say, oh, anyone can bless you. No. And this is so important. Not anyone can bless you. Everyone can bless you, yes. But not everyone can bless you the way the blessing of your pastor can be placed on you. There's a way that God has specifically, and if you're not careful, this is how come people begin to sow in the flesh. In Galatians chapter number six, he says, uh, he who sows to the flesh, or the flesh reap corruption. And then he says, he who sows in the spirit, who of the spirit reap eternal life or everlasting life. Not life after death. There's a difference between it, let me put it this way. Let me conceptualize. There's a difference between eternal life. I'm, ju I'm just using this for concept, please. There's a difference between eternal life and everlasting life. In the context of this argument, everyone will have eternal life because everyone is going to live forever. But when we say this, this, this shoe is lasting than other, than other shoe, it means it's good in quality. It means it's good in a, in a lot of things that it can last for a long time. Are you, are you seeing the difference? The word of God uses it uh, 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 interchangeably, but understand it like this, okay? Everyone will live eternal, eternally, but not everyone will have that everlasting life. That quality, that quality of life which is everlasting is not something that we just get in life after death. It's the, it's the life that comes into us now by virtue of the word of God and by virtue of us being born again. Shout hallelujah. L listen, hallelujah. everlasting life, which is also eternal life, uh, uh, as the Bible uses it con con uh, interchangeably, is not just life after death. It's the quality. It's a higher life. That life called everlasting life is superior to the normal natural human life. It's superior. And so you can begin to live in eternal life. You can begin to live in everlasting life. In this life, then if you go into the next life, you just continue. And, and these things are so important because they will, if you don't pay attention to these things, these are things that define the quality of the life that you live on this earth. So what Paul says, what Paul says, let me show you this. What Paul says in the book of Galatians, chapter number 6. And it's amazing where this thing begins from, eh? It's amazing. Uh, he says, he says, verse 6, I'll begin from verse 6 so that you get the context. He says, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all, those, all good things with them. 
when you are giving to people, when you are giving, when you are giving to your pastor, when you are giving to your man of God, every time you give, you are showing that because of what you've taught me, the Lord has blessed me and I'm coming to praise God for these things. See, in the New Testament, we don't give we don't give because it's an obligation. Of course, it's a principle. But learn that the higher truth is that in the New Testament, we give as a show of the blessing God has blessed us with. So every time you tithe, every time you partner, it's an expression of the blessing that God has bestowed upon you. We give not because we need to be blessed necessarily, but we give because we are blessed. Even when we sow seeds, we are sowing those seeds because God gave those seeds to us in the first place. That's why the Bible says in the book of Isaiah 58, he gives bread to the eater, but seed to the sower. That means God can actually even give you seeds to sow. See that? That's important for you to understand. So here he says, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers or should share. The NKJV puts it this way. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. The Amplified puts it this way. Let him who receives instruction in the word of God share all good things with his teacher, contributing to his support. See? So growth spiritually also begins to make you not shut down everybody who's supporting your pastor, but also think, how oh, this man has been blessing me? How come I've never, I've never, I've never going to give him anything? Now that giving is also called seed sowing. And I'm not telling you this because I want things. <laughs> I'm telling you this to teach you the word of God. Okay. That's important because you need to know these things. If I don't teach you, maybe no one will. So, so, this kind of giving is called seed sowing. I know that because the very next scripture says, do not be deceived and deluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be sneered at, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions or professions or by his precepts being set aside. He inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. Now listen to what this next scripture says. It says, for whatever a man sows, that and that only is what he will reap. Are you seeing that? This, whatever a man sows, he shall reap, does not just come from nowhere. It comes from what you give to those who give you the word. Isn't this interesting? I find this very interesting. Because eh? he's, he's talking about giving to the man of God in verse 6. Yet verse 7 talks about giving to God. He says, do not be deceived. God shall not be mocked. For whatever a man sows, sows to who? Sows to God. Sows to God how? By giving to a man that God has appointed. See that? That he shall reap. And then here's the part I wanted to show you. He says, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, decay, bad luck, bad opportunities. But he who sows to the spirit, so now he calls giving to the man of God, which is giving to God or sowing to God. He now calls it sowing to the spirit. He says, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Woo! Shout hallelujah. He, this is the principle of sowing and reaping. This is, why, this is why I never stop giving. Every opportunity you have to give, especially to fellow believers, to the man of God. 
people that God has placed in your life, when you have an opportunity, do it. Do it. This is why verse 9 says, look, it's still talking about sowing and reaping. It begins to describe it in a different fashion. It says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. This good doing is called seed sowing again. It's the same thing. It says, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And then my favorite scripture is verse 10. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith church. Oh, sorry, household of faith. This is where the theme or the name the household of faith church came from. This, the Lord spoke to me about this. That's where the name came from. But here's what I want to tell you. Eh? People who don't understand channels of obedience and the way that God placed precepts and processes of giving, giving to him and being obedient to him, this is how come they end up sowing to the flesh. Let me give you an example of one way in which people sow to the flesh. Because what, what he's telling us in verse 8 is, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you planted the corrupt seed of, of self-life into the natural realm, I like this, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. Wow, that's the, 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 the Passion Translation. It says the harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. The harvest is the reflection of the seed. If you planted the corrupt seed of a self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spiritual life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. Shout hallelujah. Let me give you one way in which people sow to the flesh. There are people who say the first salary you get, you should take to your parents. There are people who say that. And it sounds so politically correct, so culturally right and holy. But which Bible says that? Oh, talk to me. That's why the Bible says, they teach traditions of men and they have made the word of God of none effect through their tradition. It's very possible. How many have heard of that saying that your first salary should go to the parent? Huh? How many, how many have heard of that saying that your first salary should go to the to your parents? How many? That when you get your first salary, it should go to your parents. I want those who've heard it before. I'll ask those who haven't heard it before to raise their hands. How many have heard it before? Correct. How many have not heard it before? So there are people who say your first salary must go to your parents. And guess what? They mean well. But meaning well does not amount to righteousness. It doesn't amount to righteousness. You'll be sowing to the flesh. Let me, let me give you, let me show you. Let me show you what the Bible says. Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Chapter 44. 
verse 30. Here's what the Bible says. It says, the best of all the first fruits of any kind and every sacrifice of any kind from your sacrifices shall be the priests. Also, you shall give to the priests the first of all your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your house. It's the responsibility of the priest to cause the blessing to rest on your house. Your priest is your pastor, your man of God. This is the order of God. So, and there are some parents who, who normally expect that they will get things from you, your first salary. They're even here to get a job. They'll be out there waiting. Tell them, no, daddy, this one is not yours. Don't worry, yours is coming. This one, let me just use it to settle. And I'm going to challenge you, all of you, when you start working, have it on your mind. Do not compromise. Do not. Do not compromise. They will not die. They've always survived without your job. And I'm, I, I say this not with any disrespect. Please, please, please don't get me wrong. Now, I believe in giving your parents your whole salary. You can do that on your second one or your fourth one. But if you want to do righteousness, you do what the word of God. Otherwise, you think you are wise, but you'll be sowing into the flesh. Your parents must be honored. Just recently, we sent money to all our four parents. Lots of money. One, two, three, four. See? And I'll be sending them more. I believe in sending everything to parents. But what I'm saying is, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and God what belongs to God. Your parents are not your priests. Your parents can bless you. But that power to cause the blessing to rest on your house is in the hand of the priest. So never look down on, 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 on people who say, oh, my first fruit I'm taking to the pastor. It's the reason why God gave you your pastor. That's what the word of God teaches. But men of people of this generation, they insist. They insist. They want to do what feels right, but not what's righteous. There's a difference. See that? So I'm telling you all this just to show you the place of your pastor. So let's go back to the scripture we are reading, which was, I hope you are learning something. Which was, how did I get here? I was showing you the place of a spiritual father. Okay. Okay. It says, though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ, I have begotten you through the gospel. So there is a gospel which gives birth to you spiritually, which, which causes you to grow spiritually. That thing you are feeding on, from the man you are feeding on, is what makes him your spiritual father. It's through the gospel that you begin to be formed in Christ. And that Christ begins to be formed in you. Look at that. He therefore says in verse 16, Therefore I urge you, imitate me. You also need your spiritual father to be imitating him. That means 
He should have a life worth imitating. That's the part on the spiritual father. The man must have a life worth imitating, or the woman, depending on which ministry you are in. But you are in a ministry of a man. It says, imitate me. You know what the word imitation means there? It means sometimes just do a copy and paste. Are you listening? That's important. It means sometimes just do a copy and paste. It says, imitate me. Why? Because he's doing the right thing. That's why he said in another verse, follow me as I follow Christ. So he goes on to say, listen to this. He says, for this reason, verse 17, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. Don't be part of those people who crack son of the house jokes. There's such a thing as a son of the house. So don't let it be watered down because the world has cracked jokes over it. It's true. He says, I've sent my beloved son Timothy in the Lord. That means you can have a spiritual father. So when we use language, when we are calling a, a man daddy, I have saved my spiritual father's name as Daddy Mwileli. At my age, with everything I know, you think I'm stupid? No, there's something I saw in the Bible. You think I'm not educated? Who knows? Maybe I've been gone to a few more schools than a few people. It's we, we notice something from the scriptures. That's why we do what we do. Hallelujah. This is why when you do certain things, whether you are going, for example, as we discussed, give your first fruits or call someone daddy or call yourself a daughter in the house. If you are going to do that, we don't do those things blindly. We do those things because we build convictions from what we see in the scriptures and never be ashamed of what you see in the scriptures. If the scriptures have said it that a man can be a spiritual father, do not be afraid to call him dad because you are being obedient to the scriptures. Don't be like those of whom it was said. They heard him and they believed him. But although they believed in his name, they wouldn't dare preach about him or talk about him because they were afraid the, 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 the Pharisees would kick them out of their synagogues for they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. Because it's not popular on Facebook, so you can't do it. He says, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven and his holy angels. So we should develop a backbone. Our convictions in the scriptures must be strong, unshakable, grounded, uncaring, dead to the world. Hallelujah. So this thing is real. Paul, the apostle, also said in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verse 19. Listen to that. He says, my little children. That means he was their father. But was he the father of the whole village? This man was not even married. That means he was their spiritual father. He says, my children, for whom I labor in breath again until Christ is formed in you. He calls them my children. My children. See that? Let me show you another one. First John. Chapter 2. Look at that. He says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. See? He says, my little children. 
He says, my little children, it's because he was their father. So this whole thing is true. It's biblical. Or like my friend puts it, it's biblical. It's biblical. Are you, are you learning this? So the reason why you, are, you need a pastor is because the Bible says that you do. It's because the Bible gives him a place in your life. Many blessings you are going to experience from God will be because God sent a man into your life. Hallelujah. Yeah. Remember the scripture we read yesterday in Hebrews 13:17 where it says uh, they will give they will give uh, they will give an account over you. Your spiritual leaders you have to be under someone's, someone's, someone's oversight or what we call someone's covering because someone will have to give an account over you. Don't be your own pastor. It's dangerous and unbiblical. Also, how can you, own, how can you know that you are obedient if you are not under any man? And listen to this. Remember the scripture we read earlier in the book of First John, which says, how can you claim to love a God you can't see when you can't love a brother? How can you claim to love a God you can't see when you're struggling to love a brother you can see? Your love for other people is really a reflection of your love for God. Now, in the same way, how, how lie you say that you can obey a God that you can't see? When you are failing to obey the man he sent. The way you lightly take instructions from your man of God. The way you lightly take announcements from your pastor. Is the way you will lightly take God. Because God is using the man. So if I tell you be online at 20 hours exactly. You even say yes sir. Then you come at 22.59. See that? The way you've treated me is the way you are treating God also. And it's the way you will treat God. That's why many shall be surprised. They will say, ah, when did we see you, Matthew 25? When did we see you naked and we didn't clothe you? When did we see you uh, uh, hungry and we didn't feed you? Then he said, when you did this to the least of my brethren, you also did it to me. Remember Matthew 10 verse 40. And this, this, you also, you can never learn, you can never learn to honor God. And I'm ending with this. This, this is important. You can never learn to honor God if you can't honor those he sent. There was a young minister one time who started saying, no, this whole thing for honor can end up just glorifying men above God. How? I told him to put the whole thing down because I knew him. It, it, you see, the way we honor our, our men of God in word is a way that we carry God at heart. Look, your pastor will never be God. That's true. But remember what I talked to you about delegated authority.
When, when you come to the front, you're about to give a testimony and you say, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that a pastor has given me to give this testimony. You are not just being brainwashed. You are giving honor where it is due. That is a revelation of your honor at heart. You can't just stand in front of everyone and say, hey, hey, praise God. We are all children of God here. Ah, are you out of your Bible? You can't just stand in front and say, everyone stand up. We are going to pray. Because you are going to pray, you must make everyone stand. There are people who are older than you. You are not the pastor. You can say, I'm going to ask everyone to stand if we are able to stand. You know, you have to be humble. The way you express yourself towards other men is a reflection. You just can't be hiring everyone. Hey, boom, pirikiti. Ah, the pastor is cool. Ah, you pastor. No, you humble yourself. How are you pastor? And you see, the way that, the way that you treat me is a seed you plant in the newer ones to be treating me. If you can't call me dad or you can't call me pastor and humble yourself, how do you think the person you are bringing into church is going to honor me? Because there are some people who only lent honor because they saw how other people were honoring the man. But if you are ewelling me, you find me say ewell. Everyone will now be ewelling me. You learn. See, that kind of honor is important because you cannot receive from a man any more than you honor him. You can't. And this is so important. The dimension of honor that you place on a man that has been sent of God is a determinant of what you're going to receive from him. Let me show you this one last scripture. Then we'll close. So important. This is so important. Uh, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Okay, this is good. This is good. Please pay attention. Please, please pay attention. Mark chapter 6. The Bible reads, and I'm going to read verse 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him and when the sabbath had come he began to teach in the synagogue listen to that he went out from there and came to his own country that's important and when the sabbath had come he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished saying where did this man get these things and what wisdom is this which with with and what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. They took offense. Offense is the opposite of honor. Because every time you are offended, the next child you are going to give birth to are insults. Insults are insults are a child of offense. And insults are the very opposite of honor. 
Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters with us? The Bible says they were offended. They started saying, who does he think he is? Does he think he's some prophet now? He can just come from where he went from school and start teaching us things like we know nothing. Isn't it this boy who used to stay there at that cathedral where his father used to do planks and making sofas? Now he thinks he can tell us how to pray. Ah, we know that boy. We saw him grow up. The Bible says they were offended. Listen to this. The Bible says, But Jesus said to him, to them, A prophet is not without honor. That means a prophet is always with honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now listen to this. This is powerful. This is what I want you to see. Now, he could do no mighty work there, except he laid hands, his hands on a few sick people. And healed them. Look at that. The Bible, are you seeing verse 5? It says, it doesn't say, now he would. It says he could not. The word could comes from the word can. That, that's an ability issue. If it was would, it would have meant a will issue. That means Jesus was willing, but his ability was cut short. Jesus couldn't. It doesn't say he wouldn't. That means his ability was cut short. Jesus, the omnipotent God, his ability was cut short because of offense, which is dishonor. The Bible says in the very next verse, and he was in shock because of the unbelief. Jesus was in shock. He couldn't do any miracles because they dishonored him. They, they couldn't pull out his power. They couldn't pull out his anointing. They couldn't pull out his glory. Why? Because of dishonor. So every man you dishonor, you block access to whatever the man carries. So this is why you must insist, even with if, even when everyone is saying, oh, that your pastor, what? Oh, that your pastor is young. <laughs> that Refuse to participate because you know what's at stake. For you, he's your pastor, sir. He's your man of God for you. If there are relatives and they are talking, don't participate, just keep quiet. If you can shut them up, shut them up. Because the more they say funny things, the more they plant those words and thoughts in your heart. Refuse to participate. That honor, that honor for your man of God, that honor, that respect is very important to you receiving things that God has placed for you in him. Remember the Bible says, believe God and you shall be established. It says, believe also his prophets and you shall prosper. Prosperity is in the hand of a man that God sent. That's important. Hallelujah. All right. That's, those are the reasons you need a pastor. I hope you've learned something. I'm done.